This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Professor Carl Ulrich. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm the Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton, where I teach entrepreneurship, innovation, as well as product design. I'm happy to welcome to the show my next guest, Phil Valtero, who's the founder and CEO at Fuelster Technologies. Phil, how you doing? Great. Thank you, Carl. Thank All you right. for having me. It's great to be on your show. Yeah, it's great to have you. So full disclosure, Phil was my student, excellent student in the executive MBA program in San Francisco, and I'm a small investor in, in Fuelster, so I'm I'm hoping for their, their success. Um, first things first, Phil, let's let's point our listeners to your to your uh, website. It's Fuelster, that's F-U-E-L-S-T-E-R. .co. So be careful with that .co, fuelster.co. All right, Phil, give us the elevator pitch for Fuelster. Great. Thank you. Fuelster delivers fuel delivery directly to vehicles. Our highly trained drivers and specialized fuel trucks deliver fuel directly to the vehicles of our corporate clients and individual customers. Corporate clients schedule us to refuel their vehicle fleet after hours. Individual customers at our service locations can request fuel delivery through our mobile app, indicate the type of fuel and how much they want, confirm their location, and have the fuel delivered directly to their vehicle within the hour or at a pre-scheduled time. All right. So walk us through. Let's take the the end consumer scenario first because I think that's the one most people can, can relate to. Um, so... Uh, tell me how it works. I, I, I'm commuting to the office by car, and uh, let's say I'm going to park in the company car- parking lot. How, how would, it, how would uh, you take care of my fuel needs? Uh, yes. So you would download our app and place an order uh, through the app. Um, and then through the app, it actually uh, gives you some instructions. Uh, but one of the key instructions is to leave your fuel uh, door uh, ajar. Um, and that message is included in, in our mobile app as a reminder. Uh, we see the location of your vehicle uh, when the customer places the order. A description of the vehicle is provided upon registration. Um, and then our driver confirms that he's servicing the correct vehicle. Um, our driver closes the door um, or leaves it ajar, depending on the locking mechanism of your vehicle. Um, and then you receive confirmation that your order is complete through the app. All right, and 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 what when you make the pitch to consumers, what's the main benefit proposition that you articulate to them? That, that's a great question. So for us, our consumers like the convenience, uh, and the way we price um, our gas for consumers at the locations we service, uh, we are generally the same price as the nearest gas stations in the area. So our consumers like the convenience and they like the pricing. So. It's sort of a no downside uh, solution because, as you say, uh, the ga- the gas is the same price as the nearest station where they're parked, but they literally do nothing but use the app. That's correct for individual customers. Now, naturally, the question is, how do we make our money? There's a lot of logistics involved in, in how we mar- make our money to service individual customers, um, and that's 
primarily, uh, you know, what our internal um, execution has been is to make sure that we make uh, significant margin. Um, and we're very selective in the locations uh, where we provide our service. All right. So maybe take us uh, actually before we talk about logistics, let's talk about the corporate customer. So how does it work for for a fleet? Let's say I'm a I don't know, an air conditioner, air conditioning service company, and I have a fleet of, of 10 vans. How how would this work? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Actually, for corporate clients, that makes up about 90% of our client base. Oh, currently. wow. It, yeah. yeah, it's about 90-10 B2B versus B2C. Uh, so for our corporate clients, they pay us a markup uh, that represents you know, our feed to deliver fuel to their vehicle fleet which results in a cost savings to those companies who otherwise spend additional labor for their employees to take the vehicles one by one to the gas station. And 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 how does it work because I suspect you have to you want to fill them all on one trip. And so do you just work out a service interval or do they also do it on demand? Uh, no, it's actually pre-scheduled. So we work closely with our corporate clients um, and, and coordinate with them. Uh, and it's it's largely after hours when all the uh, vehicles are back on their lot. Uh, so there's close coordination with that. And, and you're right, we do uh, we do one trip. It's very efficient and profitable for us. Uh, and we and we literally fill 30, 40, 50 vehicles at one trip. Over wow, time. wow, um, that's 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 really cool. So let's now turn to the logistics side of it. What does the filling system look like? It's a it's what kind of truck and how does it actually work? Yeah. So, so what's interesting is during the early development of our business, um, you, know, you know, we looked at our, our fuel supply and how we were going to get the fuel and how we could be profitable doing that. Um, so we did a lot of research initially, and we figured out that in order for us to, to gain the margin that we're looking for, you know, we focused on delivering the fuel. We are downstream, delivering to corporate clients and, and individual customers. So, so we would rather not incur the cost of a wholesale fuel distributor, uh, nor do we uh, purchase uh, wholesale fuel, which which results in incurring massive costs on fuel tankers, storage facilities, and, and tanker insurance. We learned about that model. In fact, we tested the efficiency of that model. Uh, we, we had acquired a 4,500-gallon tanker. We set up a storage facility. We learned about the cost involved, and we adjusted. So, so what we came up with, and it's much more scalable, um, we developed our own supply network of existing gas stations from whom we purchase our fuel. Mm. And, then we, and then we deliver that fuel directly uh, to the vehicles of our customers. So, so we use existing infrastructure, gas stations, and we focus on efficient last mile delivery. Yeah, and so presumably you're going to get uh, hopefully a good price from the from the station, um, but but still your margin's going to be pretty thin, right? I mean, you've got to be super efficient because because. Well, at least I've always understood that the that re, that local gas stations operate on pretty thin margins. They, they do. Uh, the gas station business, by nature, is very difficult. And when you look at, you know, the most congested, the most uh, high traffic locations, the real estate costs are even higher. Yeah. Um, so the, the the interesting thing is, even the wholesale 
fuel providers, as they deliver gas to the gas stations in those high congested areas, their delivery fees are, are higher naturally. Um, but what we do, and part of the unit economics we figured out, is we travel up to certain miles away uh, to get gas from certain gas stations where we developed our, our supply network. Uh, and naturally, our price, in addition to some discounting, corporate discounting we get, our price is, is naturally lower. And then we sell into these high-volume uh, locations where the nearby gas stations are naturally higher. Um so the combination of our delivery, where we go out uh, X number of miles and bring it back in, um, in addition to the slight markup uh, we add um, to individual customers, and, of course, the uh, delivery fee we add to, to our corporate clients. All right. So let me just make sure I got that because it's pretty interesting. So you're pretty careful in the way you phrase, at least on the, to the consumer market, the serve, the price guarantee, which essentially it's equivalent to the station nearest where you're parking it, but those tend to be the higher price stations. So you're not matching the Costco price out in the suburbs somewhere. You're you're and and so that gives you a little bit of but that's but that but you can buy it those prices out there. So so that's you right. get a little bit of spread, uh, a little bit of geographic arbitrage in your delivery model. That's absolutely right. It's that arbitrage, it's the geographic uh strategy that we have. Uh, that allows us to realize an average margin of eighty cents per gallon. Wow! Servicing both, yes, and servicing both corporate clients and individual customers. Um, that's our margin. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, uh, take us back to the origin story. Where did this idea come from? I remember it being pitched in the entrepreneurship class, but I don't remember where it came from. Yes, so origin story. Um, since the start of my career, I have worked in Los Angeles and commuting to and from work can be challenging at times with bumper-to-bumper traffic. And, and on average, my commute has taken takes 90, 90 minutes each way. Um, wow. So, so driving is a big part of working in Los Angeles. And it's a lot of trips to the gas station over the course of my life. Uh, and today, with so many products and services available for delivery, you know, the thought of fuel delivery came to mind and, and whether it even existed for me to use. And, and of course, it did not. And growing up, learning about the oil industry from my father, who was an engineer at the Texaco refinery for over 25 years, I was drawn to the idea of starting this company to make fuel delivery a reality. Hmm. And and with my experience in financial services, um, I knew I'd be able to prepare, revise, and, and further revise the financial model for this business to work and to do, to do the research behind it. And also, with my experience working in commercial real estate and my contacts in the industry, I thought I'd be able to get us great opportunities to introduce our service at various locations. Uh, so all these factors came together and with additional planning and discussions about this business with my co-founders uh, through the Wharton MBA program. Uh, we're off and running and put the business together. Yeah, so I, I wonder if you can compare what you've learned in the first couple of years of operation relative to the original vision you had when you first thought about doing this? I mean, you described one learning, which was that the operational model probably had to be modified. You at the time thought, as I recall, you were going to basically buy a gas station and and operate your own. You buy from wholesale supply. So you learned that, uh, which is pretty interesting. What else did you learn? What else is really different from what how you originally conceived of Fuelster? That's a great question, and you're right. 
you know, the model of going um, upstream toward kind of the wholesale arena of getting wholesale fuel uh, similar to gas stations. Yeah, we learned about all the costs involved in that, and the costs are gigantic. I mean, the insurance to get uh, a tanker uh, to go down to the rack and, and, and get the fuel yourself, uh, th- there's so many costs involved. And I think naturally for the gas stations, the margins are so thin because of all the costs they incur, real estate costs and everything else. So, you, you know, with a pure delivery company, we had to really go back and focus on that. And say, so, so what would make us most successful as a delivery company? It would be to use existing infrastructure, the, the gas stations. It would, it would be to focus on our customer service downstream. And then to do what we do best, which is land very strategic locations, uh, interact with the customers very well, and to, to arbitrage and do the, the logistics and planning so that we can make the margin. And we determined that you know, $0.80 cent a gallon margin um, is something, on average, uh, what we're attaining today. Um, so, so it really is focusing on the, on, on the delivery and getting away from the wholesale and, and, and large capital expenditure uh, area uh, of, the, of the gas industry. Yeah. What, what about, what did you believe about the mix of B2B versus B2C when you formed, when you had the first idea? Because I, I was a little surprised to learn it's 90% uh, B2B now. Yes, that's that's very interesting in and of itself as well. Um, you know, I, I thought early on it may be fifty-fifty, mm-hmm. but as we as we got going, um, you, you know, we realized from all the different folks we were speaking with that corporate fleets naturally have the biggest issue or the biggest challenge, and that they'll have um, staff, porters, um, different different types of employees take these vehicles one by one. And in fact, uh, you know, one of the largest uh, clients we have uh, was describing to me that, that they book additional three hours per employee to make sure the vehicle they take back is filled for the next morning. Wow. And, and, and up to three hours of labor. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. And, and the, and the cost savings for us to help them with that, um, especially where we clock at filling up the vehicle, in under four minutes, right? So we can so we can do a, a you know a large vehicle four minutes and save uh, a corporate a corporate client uh, you know up up to three hours of labor they originally were were planning to book uh, for that employee. So so it's interesting. It's uh you know it's a great market uh, on the corporate client side, um, but there are pretty huge plans we have on the strategic front that I think. Uh, will tip our balance to be 50-50 within the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. If you're just joining me, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Phil Voltero, who's the founder and CEO of Fuelster Technologies. Um, Phil, I wonder if we can go back. You, you, you You went to Wharton. You met your... I think two co-founders at Wharton, right? It was two. It's three of you. Is that right? Um, in total, the co-founders at Wharton are, are four of us. Ah, it's four of you. Okay. So you met your co-founders at, at Wharton. How did you test this concept? How did you, what kind of pilot, what was the first swing you took at this to validate the opportunity? 
so we, our, our co-founders and I had, had reached out to many different types of locations. And we, and we try to uh, generate um, data on, on the interest level uh, that exists in the marketplace for our service. Um, and then we quickly found out that both on the corporate side and on the individual side, that people would love to see this service available. So as far as assessing demand, we assess that uh, pretty quickly. But but I think in terms of providing the service, I mean, that, that, that's a whole new ballgame. I mean, there's so many logistics involved in providing the service, uh, so many things we had to, we had to go through um, to accomplish uh, the level of service that we're doing now. So um, quite a number of things go into um, developing a company like this. But so how did you, what was the scale of the initial pilot? Did you basically have to buy a truck? Um, or how did you how you just literally get it started to to be able to try it? Uh, yes, we we assembled uh, and and re- revised and reassembled uh, three fuel trucks at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our mobile app uh, developed um, by another Wharton alumni, um, and then we had several uh, corporate accounts um, and also uh, customer locations set up. Uh, where we planned our start at those locations right at the time our vehicles were ready were ready to service. So so we did a pilot to, to make sure we figured out how it would all work. Um, but it was very intense. I mean, there's a lot of pieces in this business, a lot of moving parts, um, and it, it took a great deal of effort to to get on the off the ground. What what was the gating the gating factor to growing the business? Has it been Figuring out the logistics side, or has it been acquiring customers? It's been the logistics. Yeah. Um, the, the, the customers, the demand is, is literally um, off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have locations that want our service to start um, at those locations that we've kind of backlogged, uh, and we can't execute on those services yet because we want to plan properly in terms of um, lining up our, our fuel supply, um, our logistics behind it, and, and as I mentioned, our target of eighty cents uh, margin per gallon. Um, but the logistics has been the most challenging. Is really to set up, you know, how we roll out in, in certain locations and to do it as profitably as we can. And has that been? Has the business talk, talk a little bit about financing and then the extent to which uh, cash has limited your ability to solve those logistics problems, and how you've thought about this trade off between just growing without figuring out the model versus figuring out as you grow? That, that's a great question. Um, you know, we decided to focus on our unit economics to, to be the main driver. Um, you know, as you can imagine, there there's a you know, general thought out there to grow at all costs, uh, to acquire market share by discounting. Um, and, you know, the, there's a valid point uh, to that, where you grow market share, become the dominant brand, there's also something to be said about strategic growth, figuring out your unit economics and and where you can um, have visibility on growing profitably and the key metrics behind it that, that, that make it happen. Um, and that was the best approach for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't want to spread ourselves too thin um, to enter too many markets, as we've seen, um, you know, the negative impact that could have on a business. Um, so we didn't want to grow into too many markets too early where it's 
um, where it's so inefficient that you basically throw out you know, all your unit economics out the window. Um, so, so we focused on, on doing, on scaling profitably. We focused on, you know, how we can put together this as we um, enter a new, a new area and all the components that we need happen in those new areas. As I mentioned, uh, the supply network, uh, the proper mix of corporate clients and individual customers. So if I am to believe, I think I probably got this off Crunchbase, um, it looks like you raised around $400,000 in seed financing a couple of years ago. So has that allowed you, was that sufficient? Is Does the business not require a ton of working capital? Um, and it sounds like it didn't require marketing because you have excess demand. So has that capital been sufficient to allow you to get to a point where you can sustain uh, you can grow uh, base. You can you can you can grow organically. Uh, we've been primarily growing organically, but but we've actually raised additional capital beyond the four hundred. We're at one point two million now. Okay. In in cumulative funding to date from very very strategic early rounds of, of funding, um, and we've we've made a concerted effort to to position the company so that. Uh, uh, we're in a great position going forward. Uh, and what I mean by that is we've put together a, pr- a pretty strong foundation uh, from which to move forward. <clears throat> so l- looking back two years <clears throat> excuse me, when we first started, uh, we're going to serve over 6,000 vehicles a quarter. Um, we've developed a mobile app with new plans for additional programming based on customer feedback. Uh, we now have a fueling truck configuration that is LAFD, the Los Angeles Fire Department approved to provide service in the city of LA. Um, so we're in talks with some of the largest strategic opportunities that we could hope for. Uh, and we're working with uh, key vendors and key manufacturers. So I think looking back, you know, if we were, uh, hopeful to accomplish all of that. Um, you know, I think we're we're in a great place having done that um, two years later. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, you're you're not. This is a space that others have messed around in and tried, and a few others have made some traction. I, I wonder how productive it's been for you to look at competition and how much you've been able to learn from what others have tried in this space. Uh, yeah, we, we actually have looked at our competition. I think uh, the reason we veered away from uh, the wholesale side, we don't, we, you know, we bought one tanker, we don't buy anymore. Um, we saw how capital intensive that part of the business is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in addition to that, we looked at um, complementary services, you know, beyond beyond fuel. Um, you know, looking at other competitors providing not only fuel delivery, but car washes and other things, and we veered away from that as well. You know, I think our our focus is to deliver fuel as efficiently as we can, be profitable and follow our unit economics, um, and grow very, very strategically. And I think by doing that, uh, strategic growth, continued innovation, uh, focus on customer service, we're building our competitive advantage in those areas by the way we're going about it. Um, and I think we're putting ourselves in a, in a very good position going forward. 
Yeah. So you operate in Los Angeles, which is possibly the largest market in the U.S., certainly, in terms of metro area. Um, but it's also where you live, so there's obviously reason to, to be to be focused there initially. But I wonder how you've thought about tackling geographic expansion. Uh, we've we've thought about it pretty pretty heavily. Um, we have <clears throat> excuse me. We have partners lined up in other cities um, that that want to join us and join our expansion in those cities. So you know that's another strategic opportunity we're, we're, we're looking we're looking uh, we're looking at right now. So that would be when you say partners. Is there is there an opportunity for a franchise model, or would these be? Uh, strategic partnerships, joint ventures. How? I mean, that's one approach to expansion, but you need to compare it to just doing it yourself. So how did you think through that trade-off? I mean, a lot of our listeners will have faced this question. Uh, yes, that, that's uh, pr- pretty interesting in, in terms of how to do that successfully. Um, so it, it's both. It's It's working with a local partner, um, that provides us strategic opportunities to uh, deploy our services very, very quickly uh, in those new cities. So, so, you know, to think about entering a new market, you know, some some services go to a market and do mass marketing and try to generate some some interest from the general public. So our approach is to line up, you know, large volume, large parking locations. Um, do a strategic partnership where our our service is going to be promoted as a new amenity, a new service mm. for the for the for the location. And as soon as we step foot and we hit the ground, we're looking at literally a few hundred vehicles available to us um, potentially on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to shift gears just a little bit and uh, tell us how you're what you're thinking is going to be happening with the advent of electrics and how well this service extends to all electric vehicles? That's a great question. You know, first of all, um, you know, thinking about gas powered vehicles, um, you know, I think the replacement of gas powered vehicles with electric vehicles, you know, won't happen overnight. Um, I think over the next decade, you know, we'll see a lot of change. Um, we'll pay attention and listen and, and, and make sure we're ahead of uh, all that change. Um, but we do acknowledge that change in, is coming. And what we've done with that is we're currently working with an electric generator manufacturer uh, to help us uh, create an electric charging uh, modular equipment that we can then install into our fleet of, of fuel trucks. So we're looking forward in terms of what we're doing today developing, expanding our fuel trucks, and looking forward to how we can implement electric charging capability into our existing fleet. So so we are mindful of of what's coming. Um, We still see at least a decade of large demand, excuse me, uh, for gasoline, Um, but we're looking forward to, uh, to planning ahead. All right. So I want to just ask you one last question, Phil, which is, you know, you were you were in financial services. You went to Wharton to an MBA and then you launched into was a really different business relative to things you'd done before. What, what's been your biggest surprise as an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I think it's, uh, um, you know, just being prepared um, uh, and being very, very flexible. Um, you know, in any company, startups especially, 
um, progress can be uneven. Um, you'll experience, um, um, you know, ups and, and downs. Um, but, but I think staying focused and persevering, I think, I think it's key. Um, and you have to be able to make tough decisions very readily, very quickly. Um, we had one corporate, a large corporate client last year um, that started delaying payment to us. Yeah. Wow. Um, and we had, you know, we had top line growth. Um, that was a big part of, of, of getting that corporate client. But then we saw that client, um, you know, paying us uh, over over larger stretch of time, uh, and some other some of our invoices were reaching over sixty days, and so we had we had to cancel that service. So we had to make tough decisions um, um, along the way. I think it's being flexible to to, to do that, um, and and you know just being prepared that there are going to be a lot of challenges along the way. All right. Well, Phil, we're out of time. It's so interesting, and it's great to get an an update uh, on Fuelster. So thanks so much for making the time and for joining us on the show. Thank you, Carl. All right. So for more information, go to fuelster.co. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.